Thanks for checking out the New Life Speakers podcast. All of our speakers are recorded live at our AA meeting held on Friday nights at 8 p.m. at the Atonement Church in Wyomissing, Pennsylvania. Our group is self-supporting through the seven traditions, so if you enjoy this podcast, please consider donating. You can do this with either Venmo or PayPal at New Life Speakers. Links to these can be found on our website, newlifespeakers.org, or you can use the link in the description. We greatly appreciate your generosity. More information about recovery and our upcoming events can also be found on our website. Again, that's newlifespeakers.org. And if you know some people in need, please share this with them. And of course, don't forget to subscribe. Hi, I'm Michelle, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Michelle. This is so intimidating. This, I got to say that right away, the microphone in my face. Um, yeah, I'm always nervous when I speak. Uh, you know, what I pray for is to get out of the way and just tell the message, tell my story, and, you know, hopefully it can help somebody. Um, you know, my ego sometimes really plays havoc on me, you know, my head thinking I got to sound a certain way, I have to be a certain way. Um, I have X amount of years and I should, you know, know everything inside and out and be the best AA person there is. And that's just BS. That's not me. Um, That's not how I work a program. Um, I'll tell you a little bit what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. Um, Let me just set this down. So I grew up outside of Philly. Um, I'm the oldest of four, um, actually five, because my father later had a, a son, so there's five. Um, my mom had me out of wedlock. She uh, was a daughter of two alcoholics, um, and they promptly kicked her out of the house. You know, being Irish Catholic, that was a no-no. Um, So she went to live with my aunt, who was married to an alcoholic. So alcohol was in my life right from the beginning. Um, There was a lot of shame attached to that. I didn't know about it. I didn't know who my father was till I was 12. Um, It was kept a secret, like a lot of other things in my family. Um, And that's what alcoholic families do. Real good at keeping secrets and not talking about stuff. So... My mom did the best she could. She was young when she had me. She uh, she eventually married when I was six months old and had my brother. Um, that marriage didn't work out, didn't last very long. And then she married my stepfather, who I grew up with mainly, and he was an alcoholic. Um, so there was a lot, lot going on in the house. Um, I was a very quiet kid. I was shy. I was introverted. Um, I liked to read a lot. I spent a lot of time in my bedroom tons of time in my bedroom, um, reading, drawing, um, whatever, just to escape. And, uh, you know, when my younger siblings came along, I took on, you know, a role of of a caretaker, you know, cook and, you know, take care of them, watch them. And, um, you know, there was always a threat in my house. You know, you couldn't go to the dinner table and, you know, just eat and talk. You know, if you went to reach for something, you might get threatened. Um, so I learned early on just to really go into myself and not tell anybody what was going on because it wasn't safe. Um, but when I found alcohol, that changed. Um, there was always alcohol in the house. Uh, there was a good supply in the back where the washroom was. I knew where it was. and. 
my brother and I started drinking and I remember the first time they were having some kind of keg party and I had a couple beers and it changed my world. Like suddenly I wasn't afraid. You know, I felt like I could breathe. I felt like um, uh, just everything lifted from me, you know. Uh, you know, I was just consumed with myself all the time and that relief, I remember it to this day, that first time I drank. So I drank alcoholically for, right from the beginning. Um, you know, I was a blackout drunk. You know, by age 14, my mom was picking me up off the street, uh, trying to sober me up, and uh, police were being called. That was, throughout my story, police were always, <laughs> tended to be involved at some point um, because I, I tended to get violent. I was a blackout drunk. Um, I drove cars, got DUIs, smashed cars got into fights with police officers, you know, just the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Ms. Hyde, you know, that was me. Uh, as soon as I put any alcohol in my system, I couldn't tell what was going to happen. Um, I managed to graduate high school. Amazingly. Um, I, I don't know how. I missed so many days from skipping and drinking and getting high. But I managed to graduate. And one thing that really sticks out is, like, I didn't have a ton of friends. I just, I kind of drifted in, in and out of groups um, and would go where the party was or, you know, where I could score and uh, get the most booze. And so I didn't really have close friends. I was mainly, you know, a loner. Um, but I always had a boyfriend. I had a boyfriend through high school, and he drank like I did. And, you know, there was always that kind of uh, relationship when I was young that was violent. You know, especially add booze and, and drugs to the mix, and it was, it was bad, bad news. Um, so what sticks out to me during that period of time is I had no goals. Like, I had no aspiration to do anything. With my life, I just wanted to get high, I just wanted to get drunk, I just wanted to oblivion. You know, I didn't want to feel anything. Um, my mom was so excited because she got me into enrolled in this school called Catherine Gibbs Business School. It was in Philadelphia, and she thought that was the solution. Uh, you know, it, it was all secretarial, and, and she had it all set up. And I don't know what I did. I think I disappeared for a day or two, and I didn't go, and she was, like, devastated by that. But I didn't even think I was going to live to see 20, you know, and be honest, I, I didn't care. You know, I really didn't. I thought maybe going to Atlantic City and being a cocktail waitress might be a good idea. I waitress a lot, so I would have cash on, on hand um, at the end of the shift and, and would just blow it all by the end of the night. So um, I ended up pregnant with my daughter, and that changed things for me because that was... Well, I'll back up a little bit. When I was 17, I graduated from high school and promptly went into rehab um, because I, at that point, got arrested and had an accident, had an altercation with police and was given a choice between rehab and, and juvenile uh, detention. So I picked rehab. And that planted a seed because at the time I had no intention of stopping, but finally there was maybe an answer to what my problem was, you know. And I just thought I'm too young and it, it can't be, I can't be an alcoholic and an addict. So I went along my merry way and continued going until I got pregnant 
And then I started thinking, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to just affect my life this way. I'm going to affect somebody else's life, my daughter. And, you know, the first time I got sober, I was 23 and um, I did it for her. You know, I did it for her mainly. Uh, I got sober outside of Pittsburgh. I had been in and out of AA in the Delaware County area um, for, since she was born, really. I would take her to meetings and then, you know, I'd go on a binge and go back and forth for a couple years like that until I moved out to Pittsburgh. And it kind of took me out of my whole situation and I ended up going to meetings and I ended up getting sober there, which was a miracle. you know, my daughter mainly grew up with me sober, um, which, you know, I'm so grateful for. You know, she doesn't have a memory of me drinking at all. Um, still a lot of behaviors, but not me drunk on the floor. Um, so that period of sobriety I had between age of 23 and like 36, I had 13 years. You know, everything on the outside got fixed, you know, I had a career, I became a nurse, Um, I married again, uh, and we had a house built, we had a, a, you know, big house, Um, I had this career going, Um, my daughter was acting out, you know, I mean, she saw a lot of stuff going on, even though I wasn't drinking, and my husband at the time was in recovery, and then he started relapsing. So, you know, once we moved into this great house and, you know, and combined our families, um, you know, he thought, and I thought, everything's great, you know. Um, and he thought, you don't need to go to meetings anymore. And I continued going to meetings. And then once he started relapsing, it didn't take too long before I, I ended up relapsing. Luckily, you know, by the grace of God, I didn't stay out very long. It was a three-day binge. And then... Um, I went right back to the meetings and I stayed sober for another year, but a total white knuckle year. Like, I can't believe I didn't drink that year. It was so hard. I had the obsession every single day that I wanted to drink or use. Um, But then I drank again and I had to work the next day. And this is my last drink, God willing. Um, I went into work to take care of really sick people in the ICU. And I know I was still under the influence. I would have blown something. And I don't know how I got through the shift. Um, and I found myself afterwards in an AA meeting. And that was uh, January 1st, 2009. Um, and I just remember crying and crying. You know, I'm such a loser. Um, and I remember the people in AA have never let me down. Like, they have never said, no, you know, you you failed <laughs> AA. Get the hell out of here. Um, they always welcome me back, you know, without judgment. Um, and, you know, I'd like to say that, you know, everything's been great since then. And <laughs> that would be a lie. Um, it's just taken me a long, long time to believe that these steps, uh, as written in the big book and working the program, means change. And, you know, I can't pick and choose what I'm going to do anymore. Um, I did that for a long time. I, you know, intellectualized the whole spirituality, the whole program, you know, and I, I, I did it my way. Um, and the results I got were, were pretty bad, you know, failed relationships. I've been married three times. Um, you know, my daughter, I did the best I could as a mom, but I had no clue what I was doing, you know. And I always found it really hard to seek help, you know, to get help and admit, you know, 
that I'm powerless, you know, and a lot of that came from growing up. A lot of it came from, you know, you can't say that you can't, you can't be powerless. You have to, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and, you know, continue on and not, you know, let anybody know that you're weak. Um, and so, you know, it took a long time to chip away at that for me. And the way it happened, I ended up suicidal. I ended up uh, a few years back um, having to go to Haven because I wasn't drinking, but I wanted to die. I did not want to live this life anymore. It was just full of pain and I saw no hope whatsoever. Um, And I had a plan. And throughout my story, you know, God has really shown up in so many ways through so many people. And at the time, you know, I knew somebody and she, you know, I told her what was going on and she, you know, convinced me to go to the hospital and to get, you know, checked in and get some help. And that started my journey and what I consider my recovery. And that was six years ago, actually six years ago this month. Um, And, you know, I didn't think I could continue working as a nurse. You know, I had stopped working. I had uh, worked at St. Joe's ER and had a meltdown there. I had um, worked a couple different jobs in nursing. uh, And, you know, that was my go-to. My job was my go-to. Like, if I can't control anything else, I can control this, you know. And I was really good at what I did. and And that gave me a false sense of security. So when that failed and I couldn't even do that anymore, you know, that's the point where I believe my higher power could step in and start working. And here I am in Berks County. I never thought I'd be out in Berks County. That was the other thing. I, I remember just sitting there thinking, I'm in fucking Berks County. Like, where am I? You know? At, like, I can't believe I'm here. And then I had applied for a job and had to do an interview the day after I got out of the hospital. And I don't even know how I got through the interview, but I was hired. I'm like, they're fucking crazier than I am because <laughs> I was not right. Um, and they still hired me. And um, that's, that's a big part of, uh, of my story too. Just how all that happened, I ended up doing a job that I love, you know, absolutely love what I do. But going back to, to recovery, um, You know, I started working with a sponsor and she made it very clear that we were going to meet and we're going to read the big book and we are going to work the steps in the big book. Um, And I had no reservation anymore. I was willing to do anything, you know, to get out of where I was. And so sure enough, as we were doing it, um, things began to be clearer and clearer with, you know, how my life went up to that point. Step one, the powerlessness over alcohol and the unmanageability of my life. I don't think until that point I really, really accepted the fact that I'm an alcoholic. And, you know, I have this illness and my brain is an alcoholic brain. So, you know, there's delusion there and there's always, you know, something in the background working against me. Um, I like how you guys read in the beginning uh, about alcoholism and the old preamble. Um, because that, that's exactly me. Um, I couldn't figure out for the longest time myself what was wrong with me. And so by working the, working the steps and I, you know, I worked really hard with her and she wasn't, she, people that know her know 
Like she wasn't putting up with any of my nonsense, any of my trying to, oh, you know, I was abused, I was this, I was that. Uh, she wasn't having it. And I thank God for that because that's what I needed. Um, I did an inventory and was willing to do it after I turned my will over. And I still didn't know, like, when am I turning my will over? But all I knew was I didn't have another option anymore. You know, the insanity was there and I wanted relief. So I was willing to do what she told me to do as far as an inventory. And it was long. It was a, it was a freaking book, you know, the way that I did it with her. And I had done them before and I, I always did the bare minimum. I did that in school. I did that, you know, in sports and stuff like that. I did the bare minimum, but this, I, I dug deep and um, came out of it the other end, you know, with another divorce, <laughs> living on my own for the first time at, I forget how old I was then. Uh, but you know, I was a single mom for a while, but that's not, that doesn't count living on my own. I had my daughter. So this was the very first time I'd lived on my own and it was, it was freaking scary. I'm like, you know, I remember times of just being crawled up in a ball and crying, um, you know, not seeing anything getting better. But, uh, today it's, it's a whole heck of a lot better. Um, you know, recovery has given me, uh, true friends, like I have a support system, like I can pick up the phone anytime and, and tell somebody what's going on and they, they get it, you know. I don't have to stay in my crazy myself anymore. Um, I might do it for a little bit, you know, maybe 15 minutes now, you know, compared to when, you know, I was doing it my way, I would stay in that for weeks and weeks and get deeper and deeper into, into that. Um, I can give back now. You know, the biggest blessing is sponsoring other women. Um, I've been put on a hold with that because <laughs> my sponsor, my current sponsor, wants me to do more self-care and more um, uh, focus on myself. And that's really hard. <laughs> that's really hard for me because I'm by nature a caretaker. And, uh, but the women that I do work with, they teach me like so much you know, and going through the book again and again and going through the steps with them. Um, you know, I see things new, like each time we do it, like I'm seeing something for the first time or realizing something or, you know, applying it to my life. Um, and I don't do it perfectly. Um, and that's okay. I mean, I really struggled with, you know, that perfectionism and I still do, but, um, but I, I love where I'm at in life right now. I love it. You know, I, I, I do things. I went fishing today. I caught a huge fish. This sucker was like, this sucker was this big. No, I'm like, kidding. <laughs> but it was a trout. And that's what I was going for. So, But it gives me the opportunity to do things like that. It gives me the opportunity to have real relationships, you know, with myself and other people. And it gives me hope, you know. And I just do one day at a time still. Like when I get caught up in like future tripping and like, you know, what's gonna happen tomorrow? What's gonna happen next week? How's this gonna work out? How's that gonna work out? I'm like totally uh, missing the moment that I'm in. And, you know, uh, I'm not guaranteed tomorrow anyway. So I feel like I'm winding down. So I think that's all I have. Thank you, Diana. Thank you.
Thanks for checking out this episode of the New Life Speakers Podcast. Please remember that our group is self-supporting through its seven tradition. Donations can be made by clicking the link on our website, newlifespeakers.org. Tune in next week for a new speaker, and thanks for listening.